Well, folks, this is the time of the show where I go out and find someone who's making a difference in the financial world. We've got a repeat visitor. We've had so many requests to have him back on. His name is Dr. Dan Geller. He's author of the book, The Money Anxiety, uh, and it's how financial uncertainty changes consumer behavior and the economy. He's uh, been on national TV and on national radio. He's also been the keynote speaker at the American Banker Analytics Symposium. He's joining us from San Francisco. Dr. Geller, welcome in. Thank you, Coach. It's a pleasure to be on your great show. Yeah, well, the financial world's a, a rapidly changing place, isn't it? Uh, yes, and I actually think so. Looking good. <laughs> yeah, now you developed the Money Anxiety Index to measure the level of money anxiety out there in people's minds. How does that work? Okay, so up until the introduction of the Money Anxiety Index, the only way uh, to measure kind of the level of financial anxiety was to do surveys. You know, we have all kinds of consumer confidence surveys. The only problem with those surveys, Coach, is that they are very subjective because they are based on a questionnaire. They ask people, how do you feel about the economy? Well, that's very subjective. Right. So um, we set up to develop an objective index that measures what people do with their money, not what they say. And we found out that there is a tremendous difference between what people say and what they do with their money. And case in point is, uh, prior to the Great Recession, uh, the money anxiety index started increasing, meaning indicating elevated level of money anxiety 14 months before the recession started. But at the same time, consumer confidence indices still reported high level of confidence. So basically, people were saying, oh, things are great. But in essence, they were starting to cut down on spending and increase their savings. And that's how we detected it. So the money anxiety index is a little more rapid. It's like a speedboat instead of a big tanker as far as seeing what the overall perspective is in, in consumers' minds. Exactly. It, yeah. It's like um, an early warning system that detects changes in people's financial behavior based on what they do. Yeah. Now, money anxiety, is it common or is it something that only other people seem to experience? Money anxiety is very common. It's a normative condition. Yes, there are some cases on the fringe that are part of the general uh, anxiety disorder, and those are very, you know, special cases. But generally speaking, according to the American Psychological Association survey, seven out of ten people reported having money anxiety on a regular basis. And as you know, Coach, anything in social sciences that 70% report that's normative that's the norm yeah yeah and that's a lot of people i mean that's a big percent isn't it yes so so how does our you know when we have money anxiety how does it impact our financial decisions or how does it not having money anxiety impact our financial decisions okay so basically the level of money anxiety dictates what we do with our money it's very simple when money anxiety goes up we spend less it, it's an instinct that we have that when uncertainty increases, anxiety increases, we start holding. That's kind of our natural instinct. So we start saving more and spending less. And 
the impact on the economy is that when we are in the U.S., a consumption-based society, 70% of GDP is consumption. So when people start spending less, it basically impacts GDP and puts, a, puts us into a recession. And then it works the other way, which is the case now. When money anxiety goes down, as it did now, it's at 54.1 right now, then people save less and spend more. And therefore, what we are seeing now is exactly what the, the, the model uh, describes in the book. The um, level of spending consumption is up. July was up 0.3%. Uh, and savings is down, according to the FDIC uh, second quarter report, domestic deposits is down by $32 billion. Yeah, which banks don't like. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, they'll, they'll have to compete more for, for yeah. consumer deposits, yes. Now, banks love it when people are spending because they, they love to loan money, don't they? Yes, banks actually like when the economy improves because, remember, banks make most of their money the old-fashioned way, basically. They lend money and make money on the interest. Right. So they like it when the economy improves and people feel better about uh, buying new stuff and, and yeah, taking loans and mortgages and everything else. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Folks, again, we are talking to Dr. Dan Geller. He's a behavioral economist and the author of Money Anxiety, great book. He also pioneered the research on the link between money anxiety and financial behavior, and he developed something called the Money Anxiety Index. Now, let's talk about your book, uh, Dr. Geller. In your book, you describe two types of financial decisions, instinctive and analytical. Can you explain to the audience what the difference is between the two? Of course. So uh, basically, we have these two, uh, two um, types of decision making, and spe especially when it comes to financial decisions. Uh, the instinctive is what we call in the professional jargon system one, which is our intuitive decision making. Most of our decisions, uh, when the money anxiety is high, defaults to our instinct. Why? Because this is our survival mood. So when our ancestors, uh, you know, faced the tiger in the wood, their instinct told them, run. Uh, it's the same thing with us. We, we don't face tigers in the wood, but when we feel financial danger, we instinctively um, make decisions to pull the money out or to move it to certain places. Those are instinctive decisions. When money anxiety decreases, we move more towards our analytical decision-making, which is a different part of the brain. This emanates from our cortex. And um, those are more slower type of decisions and typically are the more correct financial decisions that we make. So money anxiety drives our financial decisions, but can that impact our economy here in the United States? Yes, it can. And um, basically, during the recession, one of the reasons that, that we had such a slow recovery is exactly that. The impact of the Great Recession, uh, the level of money anxiety was so high, we reached over 100 index points. We are now at 54. We reached 100, almost twice as much. 
and uh, pretty much people panicked, and they started increasing savings over and beyond normal pace. And this reduced the spending, and as I mentioned earlier, 70% of our GDP is consumption, and with such a major reduction in spending, it prolonged our recovery. It took almost 10 years. It's it's almost 10 years to the month since the beginning of the Great Recession in December 2007. Well, Dr. Gilbert, roll out your crystal ball here, and and, and let's predict. What do you you see happening in the next six months to two years going forward? Okay. um, Short term, things are great. Economically speaking, um, yeah, that's one disclaimer I have to make. Yep, yep. There are geopolitical events that are unknown, so we put those aside. From an economic standpoint, things are good. Uh, people uh, are confident about the economy. They are spending. Um, unemployment is, is very low, and uh, money anxiety is low, so things are good. Um, longer term, well, at some point, uh, we will see a change in the cycle. As you know, uh, recessions uh, and, and downturn in the economy is inevitable. It will come. Uh, when? That's the million-dollar question. But at some point, it will. We are kind of on the edge of the stretch, meaning uh, 10 years since the last recession is pretty much the longest time between recessions that we had since the Great Depression, since the 30s, 10 years. We are at the 10-year mark. How long can we stretch it this time? How to to tell? But at some point in the next couple of years, we will start seeing a downturn in the economy. That's inevitable. Seems like everyone wants a prediction on when the market's going to go the wrong way or when it's going to keep going up. And I always tell people proper balance. You know, you have core and explore. And then if the market goes down, I mean, you got you got some dry powder, we call it, to buy or dry ammo to buy more uh, at a lower price. But the worst time to buy is when we're overpriced, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, sometimes the stock market is independent of the, the real economy, so to speak. Correct. So, that's why, uh, yeah, always caution, as, as you said. Be cautious. Again, the name of the book, Money, Anxiety, and his name, Dr. Dan Geller. Dan, hope to have you on again in the future. Thank you, Coach. It's a pleasure. And, folks, if you join this interview late and want to hear it again, it's an entirety. You can always go to financialsafari.com. Thanks a lot, Doc. And, folks, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> 